All right. What is up, everybody? I believe this is episode four of Thoughts from a Balcony. And yes, sir, throwing the fours up. We got Kent Berger in the house. It's a pleasure to have you, man. Thanks for coming on. Yes, sir, bro. Thanks for having me on here. It's a pleasure. So we were talking about it before we, we actually joined and, you know, kind of what we wanted to talk about in this podcast. And I think the one thing that we've discussed for probably weeks now is self-identity and how you kind of find yourself in this crazy world of so many things that are going on. So I know we talked about not letting our job and degree define us. So Ken, I'm going to turn it over to you. How do you describe yourself? You know, who are you really outside of being a D1 captain for, for OU and, and being a great salesperson for CentOS now? So, so who are you, you know, deep down? So, yeah, um, it, it's funny because like we've had these conversations in person and talk for like an hour or two at a time. So it's, it's good to be on here and, and actually be able to like share that with people. Um, especially because I'm not one to like really be on social media, like posting a long paragraph because I don't really care to read when other people do that personally. So I feel like this is a good way to just share for other people. And if we can help someone out, then awesome. Um, but to get to your question, you were kind of saying like, you know, what I, I was or what I am, um, which was, you know, being a football player in college and, and being a sales rep. Now that's what I am. That's what I do. Um, but who I am is, is completely different. And I think that was a journey that took me a long time to kind of figure those things out. A lot of self-searching and understanding that um, the things that make us who we are, are more of like our character traits. So I can't stop myself from being a smart ass and, and saying something funny, especially in a situation that I shouldn't be. Um, I'm competitive. I've got like a drive in me that just kind of pushes me to always do better. Um, I think I'm a good leader. That's something that I enjoy doing. I, I like helping people. So leadership would be something in there as well. Um, but I'd say, yeah, those are like the main three characteristics that I define myself as. Um, but then also to the flip side of that, there's like the opposite of that too. So you have who you are, but then there's kind of the shadow realm side, like the flip-flop, the bad side. So yeah, maybe jokes are funny, but then there's also times when you're going to be angry and, and, you know, very serious. So you got to find that line in between there where you want to be at, I guess you could say. Yeah. But, you know what I mean? Man. So, you know, as, as a person who has done a lot of soul searching myself, I know it's a challenge to find who you really are. You know, you go through college and you're being told what to do by so many people. And that's the way it is. When you're young, you're supposed to learn from people who have lived life. But once you graduate, it's a totally different story. You're out in the world by yourself. And now it's all up to you what you want to do. So Kent, talk a little bit about when you graduated how did you, I don't want to say distance yourself from, you know, your degree and, and what you've done, but more, how did you really find your true core and your true self after college? I mean, it didn't happen right away by any means. And 
it probably more started when I was in college. I had a, a assistant coach that actually kind of stepped up for the whole team and brought us all together. And he started doing these mental toughness trainings is what he called them. Um, it was optional. You could go if you want, but his mentorship really helped me start becoming more self-aware and um, taught me a lot of different practices I can do. Showed me the daily stoic, which then I in turn showed you, which is cool that like, we still have that something that we share. Mm-hmm. Um, journaling was something that he taught me to that I use as a tool to this day, like on a once a week basis, just to kind of keep in track of my, my life and my emotions. Um, but graduating from school, I was still more or less concerned with what I was doing, not who I was. Um, if you like put your emotional eggs into the basket of what you're doing on a day-to-day basis, you can't control everything that goes on within your job or whatever you're doing. And if your emotions are, are stuck to whatever's going on there and you don't have control, you're, you're shot on, on something like that. So you need to find what makes you happy on the inside. So, I mean, living by myself, moving to Columbus is really when that started for me, spending a lot of time at home by myself, working by myself at certain points in my job uh, for like months at a time where, you know, like I see people in the morning and then my customers in the day, but I'm not really interacting a ton meaningful wise with like very close friends or whatnot. Um, but yeah, I would say it's just like different practices and trying out new things is, is what helped me find my happiness. Um, especially through COVID too. Yeah. I think COVID brought up a really interesting time for all of us because it forced us to be by ourselves. And a lot of times, especially in today's day and age, we're, we're constantly bombarded by stimulus. I mean, you turn on the TV, you get something there. You're on your phone. I mean, think about your phone. It has so many different ways to entertain you. You're never bored anymore. So yes, it's, it's good. You know, you're never bored. There's a lot of stuff to do, but on the flip side, you're never taking that time to be by yourself and to be with your own thoughts. And I think for a lot of people that's scary and it is at first, especially when you haven't done it, You haven't taken that time to really be by yourself. And I think you brought up a really good point with living by yourself. That's such an important piece. I know some people never get the chance to do it. And that's, that is what it is, but I can speak from experience being able to do that. It's, it's super hard. There's times when it's really, really lonely, but you're also forced to sit down and say, what do I want to do with my life? This is it. This is my one shot. I have one chance to live. What am I going to do with my time here on earth? So, so talk a little bit about, uh, you know, you're talking about going through trying out different things. What are some of the different things you've been trying, uh, you know, in this past year or so? Yeah. Um, I'll get to that one second. You just made me think about something else, but, um, getting the most out of your life, it really starts up in here and it's your choice. So when you get out of bed in the morning, like, what do you say to yourself? Do you say, I'm miserable. I don't really want to go do this. This sucks. Or do you say like, today's an opportunity for me to get better. I'm going to be a champion today. Like that, that's a completely different mindset, but everyone has that choice to decide what they say in their head when they wake up or out loud or whatever it might be. Um, and then throughout the day, it's, it's your choice to react to how everything happens. So, I mean, that can make a huge, um, difference really in, in your emotions as a whole. 
I already forgot that question though. What were you asking? Like some of the things I did. <laughs> That's yeah. We could talk about that later though. Man. Yeah. I, I really want to keep going <laughs> on this. I really want to keep going on this having a choice yeah. thing because it's, it's tough. It's a hard mindset to adopt when you've been complaining your whole life and you look at everything as an obstacle and you think everything is against you. And it really isn't. It's just external events. You're the person that's doing it to yourself. You're the one putting this pressure on you. You're the one who's, you know, feeling these type of way, feeling this type of way about an external event. And, you know, like you said, changing that perspective has a world of difference. How do you wake up in the morning? It's so important. How do you speak to yourself? Speaking in a way that, you know, you have to live. What's the word I'm looking for? You have to have a good relationship with yourself. You can't look in the mirror and hate the person you see. And, And for a lot of people, especially with social media and even myself, sometimes I get into this too you're caught comparing to other people and it's so damaging to your, your mental well-being. When in reality, if you just look inward, realize all the good things that you have, all the amazing traits and qualities that you possess, you're unstoppable. Don't look at other people's success or, or look at other people and say, I want to be like them. No, I want to be the best version of myself. And you have the choice to do that. And, uh, yeah, that's, uh, it's a powerful thing. It's, it's a really powerful thing to change your perspective. Hundred percent. And I'm copying. I'm gonna take some notes today too because I'm all over the place too. But yeah, it's, um, like I said, sometimes. So <laughs> yeah, just to let everyone know we have to take notes during this podcast because we speak <laughs> about a lot of different stuff. And you know, sometimes you get on a a tangent. It's nice to write things down and go back to a certain point. For sure. For sure. Um, so one thing I was going to say about is self-talk. Like that's something I really had no awareness of, <laughs> of my own self-talk or even the concept of it existing until I had that graduate assistant, Alex Burkett, teach me that. And so one thing he taught us was like classic um, conditioning. Like you literally have a rubber band on your wrist. And I started <laughs> using it in the weight room was the first place. And I'd be like, squats are my least favorite thing to do. And I'd be like, shit, I got to squat. So I'd flick my wrist with the thing every time I talk negatively to myself. So shit, I got to squat, flip, flick the wrist. Um, I don't know if I can do this, whatever it might be. So that helped me gain awareness of negative self-talk and then just start getting rid of it then from there. Um, But yeah, in terms of like comparing yourself to another person's life, another thing he taught me too, uh, that was really big for me was life is a game, but it's not me versus you it's me versus me and you versus you and like how are you going to run up that clock i mean until that scoreboard takes zero and it's not going to hit zero until you stop breathing so run up that clock while you can because you don't know when it's going to hit zero like it's just kind of like a a hazy figure on the board (laughs) and you you don't know like where it's really at like the eights look like threes and vice versa or whatever so yeah it's tough i mean you brought up such a good point about death. It's, it's a morbid thought, but at the same time, it can be such a relief. It's, it's an awareness of death that this all comes to an end. It almost makes life sweeter. You know, if this thing went on forever, it wouldn't mean as much to everybody. When you have a set amount of time and you never know when you're going to go, you could wake up tomorrow, get into traffic and die. 
and it sounds final destination. Awful. Yeah, it's like final destination. That stuff's crazy. You get on a roller coaster, next thing you're not coming down from that roller coaster. You get a pipe through the ear. <laughs> Just insane stuff. Like it can happen. And I don't mean to to bring it up like, oh man, death, it's gonna happen. That's so terrible. It's no, I don't know when I'm gonna die. So I better live it up today. There is no tomorrow promise. It's it's right now, it's the present. And Kent, I remember when COVID first hit. It was probably maybe a month or two in, actually. And I was feeling sorry for myself. I'm not going to lie. I, I had a hard time adjusting to working from home. And it was hard for me to realize all the good things that were going on in my life. And I, I vividly remember this moment because we talked about it. You, I think you came over and hung out. And uh, you gave me this tactic to stop whatever I'm doing, stop all my thoughts, and just say out loud what I'm looking at. And one day in the car, it just kind of clicked for me. I was driving down, I don't even know, Menorav or something, feeling sorry for myself. I'm super stressed out because of work. And I just stop, I take a breath, and I just start saying what I see. I go, wow, look at that sky. Look how blue that sky is. Look how amazing the clouds look right now. The sun's shining through them. Look how beautiful those trees are. And it, it would literally within 10 seconds, I felt so much better. It, it was it was like a rush of just happiness and almost like a weight off my back when I did that. And I thank you so much for that because I do it all the time. I don't care what's going on. Being able to just stop whatever you're doing and focus on the present is such a powerful tool and it helps your mental well-being like you would not believe. When I, when I first heard it, I just was thinking to myself, yeah, okay, whatever. Once you do it, it's unbelievable. It, yeah, it's a pretty silly concept. Um, the name of the book that it was from is called Be Here Now um, by Ram Dass. And it was pretty cool because that was the first book that I read um, about Buddhism. And a lot of eye-opening things like that for me. But one, like what he said to do in it is like, say like, I'm walking down the street, like exactly what you're doing too. Like I'm driving my car. And it forces you to be in that present moment because mm -hmm. when we're not in the present moment, we're not really getting out of life what you should be, which is only worrying about the here and then the now. Because when you worry about the past, you're going to be depressed or, or disappointed in yourself because you're probably going to be thinking about the bad moments more often than not. Or mm -hmm. you're thinking or you're thinking about the good moments in the past that aren't here to yourself. Either. Why is this not happening anymore? Yeah. And then the flip side is being future oriented and you've got anxiety because you're like, what if this happens in the meeting or what if they say this, like I called you the other night and <laughs> I'm worried about all this stuff like years down the road, but it's like, I can't do anything about that right now. Like I just got to work on today and tomorrow and hope that if I put everything into my today, over time, if I keep doing that, my track record of good days will add up to the point that, all right, now my past is helping me propel to that future that I'm, I'm working towards. And what I really liked about Mason's podcast with you too, is like being very specific with what you want in your future. Um, I actually saw this article that was based off that. Yeah. And I was saying like, happiness is a moment to moment choice which it is. Um, 
and it was about this lady that, you know, single mom and she's got a couple kids in the house and she's like, dang, I can't, I can't catch my break. And one day she's like praying and she's like, God, like, please help me, help me through this. And she looked up and saw a pile of laundry in the corner and said, wow, I'm really thankful that we have clothes and that we have laundry to do because some people don't have clothes. And she looked at the empty, the plates on the table with food scraps. She's like, well, I'm thankful we had a meal tonight. There's some people out there that don't have food. So whatever you can be grateful for and, and being in that moment and choosing that happiness in that moment means a lot. It's like the same way you can see dudes working construction jobs. They're just happy to be in this country and they're, they're all over the place. They're vibing, you know, but then the, the, the guy at the construction site's like, why is, why is this beam not two inches down? Like freaking out on people. It's like, dude, you've got this mansion being built and you're worried about the placement of a beam. Whereas these guys are just happy to be putting together a building. I saw that. It was it Ed Milet. Yeah. Uh, I saw it on Instagram like last week or something. I don't know if you sent it to me or if I just saw it, but I was like, that was pretty eye opening too. That was pretty cool. It was. And I'm going to drop a music reference on you. Kaya, Bob Marley, great album. One of his greatest albums. I love that album. Facts. The song, the song Running Away, in it, he says, every man thinks that his burden is the heaviest. And it's so true because when you're in your own little realm, everything is just, it feels like the weight of the world is on you when all those stresses are happening. And it's very helpful to take yourself out of that place and look at like those stories you were just saying, be thankful that you have clothes, be thankful you have a roof over your head, be thankful that you have a job to even stress about. There's so many things to be thankful for. Yeah. Are there some bad things that happen in life? Of course, but that's life. There's a balance. There's good and bad. It's what you choose to focus on. And, you know, we're, we're human beings. We we've evolved from hunter gatherer times. And when we had to run away from, you know, <laughs> woolly mammoths and stuff. So <laughs> yeah. anxiety, anxiety is part of our being. We, we need it as a species, but you also have to use your mind and intelligence and sit there and think, is this worth even stressing over? And you have that ability. It just takes time to develop. Absolutely. And then in terms of like things that people stress over too, it, it, it gets kind of funny. Um, and like, we were talking about worldview too. And um, just your experiences on the day-to-day basis are different than mine. Right. So like your worldview is going to be different than mine. Um, and one thing I noticed through COVID and really the past probably like five years now, at least just how caught up people more in our generation, not even just all the boomers, but like <laughs> <laughs> how much people get caught up in the news and let that stuff that's like outside their control um, really bug them. And one thing I've noticed just by going into random businesses on the day-to-day basis, it's like that, that's not the real world, the real United States, like certain parts of it obviously are true. And there's things that we need fixed within our country. I'm not getting into any of that, but like, for example, I go into this one restaurant, dude's an immigrant. Um, we get on to talking ends up being a customer. I still go in there on like the week to week basis, but 
like dude's been in our country for 26 years and I've been here for 20, 25. So like, who am I to tell him, you know, that he's not a resident of this country or something, you know what I mean? And then, um, like what was cool about our conversations is that he moved to New York originally lived there for like 10, 15 years. And he said every, you know, boroughs kind of got like little Italy, it's all the Italian people, Chinatown, um, the Irish area, Puerto Rican area, you name it. Everyone's pretty much separated by their ethnicity. But first time you ever noticed in the U S where you've got like neighbors of two different ethnicities grown out together was Ohio. And that's why he likes Ohio because he, it's like a place where it doesn't matter if, you know, they're both poor. It doesn't matter what skin color or country flag that, that they represent, they're going to hang out together and, and, you know, it doesn't bother them. And I think that's cool for someone that didn't grow up here, that came here to, for the American dream and literally accomplished the American dream has a good running business. And he can acknowledge that. And we sit here and we're worried about all this stuff that's happening behind closed doors. It's like, just worry about your interactions with someone else on the day to day. Like if you see someone being wronged in public because of their gender or ethnicity or whatever, stand up for them and be like, nah, that shit doesn't fly here. Even if it's not something serious like that, you're just walking past someone. Hey, how's it going? Tell them a stupid joke or something. You're standing next to someone at the airport like those are some of my favorite conversations you just talk to a random person just bs you know and you can learn a lot about them and and their view you don't have to agree with it but you can still have a conversation with a stranger those are like the best ways to to really understand what our world is like is by interacting with people you've never met before oh man that's that's heavy to unpack man that's super true i always say this is one of my favorite things in life is interacting with other people. That's why I started this podcast. It's why I'm so excited to continue on with it and see how many people I can get on here that I make a real connection with, you know, and, and with you, like I've, I've known you for 10 years now, but we're still learning this weird thing that's going on with life and we're helping each other out along the process. And yeah, man, it's uh connecting with another human being is, is second to none. And I love that story about, I love that one, man. It's, um, it's cool too, because he gave you some food and really made you feel at home. He yeah. brought you in like one of your own. And I think you look at the news today, it's, it looks like we're so divided as a country, but we're so, we're more united than we've ever been. And I know it sounds crazy to me, but or crazy to anyone listening, but I promise in, any type of football locker room and like us, there's so many different groups of people. They're all coming from a wide variety of backgrounds and states and economic classes. But when you get into the locker room, we're all just teammates. I don't care about your skin color, where you come from, the weight on the skin. I don't care about any of that. I care about that you're my brother, that you're another human being that's working towards the same goal. And I think if people had that mindset in the world today and realized that, hey, we're all working towards the same goal. We're all just trying to live our lives to the fullest, be as happy as we can be. I think, you know, it would open a lot of people's eyes up and, and be more understanding and empathetic towards our fellow human beings. And it's, I think it's happening a lot more than people are saying. But, you know, you can always get better. Always. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. 
100%. Oh, man. Circle of control, though. This is a, oh, my God. This is basically what you've taught me on, man. Like, I look at you as a mentor and with the Daily Stoic and everything. And the number one takeaway is controlling what you can control. I'm sure all the people besides you are probably annoyed that I say that so much, but it's once you wrap your head around that, that idea, it makes life so much easier. You start to block out the things that you start to kind of analyze every little thing that you go, have going on in your life too. You look at it and say, okay, can I even do anything about this? Like, I just got a crack in my windshield. Can I even do anything about this? I mean, yeah, I can fix it later. Okay, then I'm going to fix it later. Why do I need to stress about it? Little stuff like it's every little thing. And like those little things make people so stressed out and angry as they go throughout their day. But if you just stop, analyze the situation for what it is instead of how it made you feel, you know, there's no stress to even be had. Absolutely. And it's funny because the mentee is like surpassed the mentor at this point. Like I may have taught you some of this stuff, but like you keep me on, on point with all of that and, and practicing that. So it's, it's been good to have someone else that's got my back on that and kind of just holds me accountable too. And yeah, I do think circle of controls is important and like a really cool basic exercise that you can do like on your own too is literally just draw a circle and on the inside you put in my control. And then on the outside, not in my control. You can just start putting everything in your life in there. Literally just start putting everything that you do in your life or that happens to you in your life. And like my income, my car, um, things that are bugging you. So someone that's treating me poorly. Okay. Is that really in your control? No. If it's outside your control, because that's them doing that. Right. But you can always talk to them about it. So there's like a little bit of a blurred line there too, but yeah, dude, for sure. That daily stoke is my Bible now. I, I hope they can pay me or something on this, this podcast. That'd be cool. Hey, Ryan, Ryan holiday. holiday. I love your, I love your book, man. Please give me some money to, to help <laughs> promote it. <laughs> oh man. Uh, I, uh, I actually sent my mom something today from, I don't even, it was one of the daily stoke. That's all, I feel like that's all I repost on my Instagram feed, but mm. um, it was, I think it was Seneca. It might, might've been Marcus Aurelius, but he said it, it's, it's, he said it like a quote, right? Like you're saying it, like it is unfortunate that this happened to me. And it says, no, it's unfortunate that this happened. It is fortunate that this happened and it did not affect me. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. so you have the choice to let it affect you. And, and I'm going to go off of experience. Like I tore my Achilles, my senior year of football, and that was going to be my last year of football. And as you know, I went through a tough ride in college. Like I just, <laughs> I hate to say I couldn't catch a break, but, um, you know, I ended up going to a program that just wasn't a good fit for me. And, you know, I made a switch halfway through my college career and it was a risk. So I'm coming into that year feeling really good. And the second game, I tear it. And I remember the feeling of just complete failure. Like I, 
I had the doctor test my Achilles and I just thought to myself, like, man, I put all this work in. I put, I mean, you got to think four years of high school. I mean, there's some little league stuff that I'm not even going to count. You got four years of high school. And then this is my fourth year of college ball. I've been putting in so much work. This is it. This is my senior year. I'm going to play a lot. I had my best game that I actually told my Achilles in and I'm feeling good. And all of a sudden it's over. It's done. And that initial reaction was like, how am I going to get through this? Like, this is awful. I can't believe this happened to me, all that kind of stuff. And I remember right after the game, someone came up to me, and I'm not a religious person by any means, but he said, hey, man, God has a plan for you. And although I'm not, like I said, not a religious person, I, I really consider myself more agnostic than anything. But what really stuck stuck to me was he has a plan for me and maybe God doesn't have that plan, but I have a plan for myself and I can control that destiny by what I'm doing, how I'm reacting to this. So from then on out, it was like that moment, it flipped the switch in me. And I said, I'm going to do everything I possibly can to come back from this injury. And I ended up getting injured again before the season started but I'm totally okay with it because that experience of going through hardship and one of the lowest points of my life and choosing and deciding that I can get through this through hard work, through pure will determination, I can do this and being able to go to experience that seconds to none. And I, I, I joke about it all the time, but I would say like, man, I, I might tear my other Achilles layer just to, you know, prove myself that I can do something again. I, it is, it's how you, you get better. You go through struggle and, and kind of figure yourself out that way. Yep. For sure. I took a couple notes off that. Cause, cause I really liked that. Um, but based off just like the last few words you said is like those hard times. And that's what really can make or break you as a person. Um, and your reaction to those hard times, like, cause it's what, it's where you grow. You have to go through tough scenarios to come out better. You can, you need to fail probably a hundred times before you can accomplish something once all those times weren't failures. It's a learning opportunity. And that's part of defining success in general, not just to like what success means for me, because it should be different for you and anyone else out there, but defining those, those moments, like even for, I take track of all my appointments that I go on, whether I sold it and it's either sold or miss, which isn't like, I didn't lose it. I didn't like, I didn't not get it. I just, I just missed a little bit. I was like a little bit off the dartboard you know, had a few too many beers and those like thrown at the walls, dartboard. <laughs> no, but um, like going through those hard times, helping you grow. And then, and then like understanding what success really is to you because it shouldn't be the same to anyone else. Yeah. Okay. Can you, so I feel like we've definitely been getting some deep discussions, but you have a cool background and not a lot of people can say they did was be a captain of a D one football team. Can you talk a little bit about some of the struggles that you went through, um, you know, during your college career when you were playing? Yeah. I mean, we can even go before that. Like 
was a captain for the high school team, but I was probably like the worst leader possible <laughs> back then. Like, I just thought it was like, yeah, who's can yell and cuss and just that'll rile them up. Cause that riles me up, but you got to understand that being a leader is understanding the person and treating each person individually so that you can get that whole group to buy in and go somewhere. So when I first got to OU, um, redshirted my freshman year, played very sparingly the year after that. Um, and then my third year, I thought I was like about to get a lot more playing time. I was doing really well. Um, but to be honest, it was a pretty stacked group. Like one dude was third round draft pick still in the league on a, like year four or five. Another dude that's still in the CFL. I mean, like we had, we had a solid crew of guys. And that was a point in time too where I wasn't taking full responsibility. I was kind of like blaming, you know, maybe others for my shortcomings and why I wasn't at where I was. And soon after that is when I started working with that graduate assistant I was speaking about. And he helped me just worry about me. And that's when really everything changed. And I mean, I was always one to work hard and lifts, but then I started going in on my own outside of, you know, designated times as well on a very consistent basis. Um, as well as that's kind of when I started tutoring. So I was helping my teammates, you know, get through classes that personally, I don't think some of the other tutors were, would have been capable of doing just because I was able to relate to them as the human and explain accounting in layman's terms to like, you know, a millennial kid that's, you know, not really worried about credits and debits and assets and all that fun stuff. So I think I really just garnered the respect from my teammates from what I did. And I wasn't as vocal of a leader um, at that point in time, really till my senior year. And, and by then it was more like, come on, let's go. Like we got this or just, you know, move to the back of the pack and start bringing that guy forward with everyone else. So, I mean, to have been named captain still is, is probably one of my prouder accomplishments because I understand when you're at a program that big, there's, there's a lot of different opposing opinions for who should be up there, but it really just came from learning over time and having those learning experiences as a leader and being able to look back and say, that's not what I should have done. So I'm going to change that up and improve and continue to improve this leadership style and morph it into you know, what's going to be the best for everyone. I think being a leader makes a world of difference on a football team too. You know, not even for yourself, but I'm, I'm speaking from someone who has had leaders on teams who are really good as a, as a football player. And I remember when I first came into John Carroll, uh, our quarterback, Anthony Meglin, Meglin sorry, uh, great dude, one of the best people I've ever met. And honestly, one of the greatest leaders I've ever met. I'm not saying the most talented person I've ever seen play. Not the best quarterback I've ever seen play. But one of the most genuine people I've met because he cared about every single person on that team. He wanted every single person to be the best versions of themselves and to recognize that by being the best version of yourself, you're helping the team. It starts with the individual first. You have to look inwards. And I did the same thing like you were saying is, you know, blaming others for my shortcomings. But as soon as I got to John Carroll, every like every spot I was in, and I wasn't a starter when I first got there, I knew it, but I knew why. Though. 
You know, I was, I was so honest with myself and I realized what I had to get better at, what I wasn't very good at. It all, it just clicked for me because I realized that I'm being selfish. I'm not the best player on this team right now. I'm watching film just like the other guys. I'm not the best player. Do I think I'm good? Of course, that's why I'm playing football. But I'm also honest with myself and realizing my shortcomings, which is hard. It's hard to do because you want to seem like the big dog, especially in football. That's just kind of how it always is. If you want to seem like the big dog, you want to have confidence, which is super important. But to build the most unstoppable confidence, to, to really harness confidence that can't be adjusted by anything happening outside of you, you have to work tirelessly on yourself, on your shortcomings, and you have to know by the time, and I'm just speaking in football terms here, but you have to know by the time of that game, you are confident enough in your abilities to play extremely well. I had a coach telling me that one time, and it really changed the way I train now too, because I, I went in, you know, it was, a, it was after, I think it was after a spring ball, and, you know, he's telling me stuff, and he goes, one thing with you is, you're not confident on every play. And no one's ever told me that before. It was always a technical thing. It was a physical, yep. you know, your, your hips are too tight on this or, you know, you need to get lower in your stance, whatever that is. He was the first one to pick my brain apart and say, you're not confident enough when you get on the, the football field. You're not confident in your abilities. And he took it a step further and said, you need to work at it. There's no oh, it just happens. Because I think you'll hear a lot of people say, you're not confident enough, build confidence. Like when you're speaking, I don't know if you ever had a um, you know, public speaking class where the teachers, you know, be confident when you're up there. What does it's that like mean? Public, uh, it's like public speaking online. <laughs> uh, I guess Zoom confidence now, which is like a thing, you know, video, video chat yeah. confidence, which is a thing for sure. But anyways, I digress. <laughs> And that you never really hear how you build the confidence. And he was the first one to say is, you know, you need to work at every little thing you do so hard that you know you're confident. You know, you're, you're confident in your abilities. It's, it's really knowing yourself and understanding what you're good at because of all the work you just did. Yeah, and it, it can't be like a fake swagger either where it's like you're lying to yourself. You know, it really just has to come from within from knowing like I did all those extra reps and like my best game ever is because I was so confident going in. Like I was already kind of like on a hot streak going into the game. Like I just played well a couple weeks in a row before. And then I just watched film over and over again on these two guys. And I knew what moves were going to work. So I just like had it in my head and I didn't know if it was going to be a pass or run, but I just did that move as the play started and it happened to be a pass. I was like, well, I got lucky here. And, uh, you know, I just get the sack on the play. But, dude, it, it it makes a difference. And I wish I had a coach tell me that a long time ago, too, because thinking back on it, I definitely didn't have that confidence to play my first two and a half years um, until I, like, built it through success in a game. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like every level that we played at, at least for me, this is – I don't know how you were, but 
every level when you first start out, like in high school, you're a ninth grader, 10th grader. You're so, you're so wide-eyed and you're just looking at all these huge dudes saying, oh my God, I, am I even good enough to do this? You know, I'm only, I'm this, I'm this young. These guys are so much bigger than me, blah, blah, blah. I haven't had enough time to develop my skills, whatever it is. You're so not confident in yourself and it affects your play so much. And I think it's not talked about enough. Obviously you you're working on your physical traits and, you know, yeah, doing the motions, like that's how you build confidence. But I think when you get further in your career, you, like I said, you go, you work all those steps, you build your physical traits, you work on those movements, those hand movements, those, you know, the footwork, all that stuff. And by the time you're, you know, you're hitting that senior year, that peak, you're feeling so good because you know, you've been through it before you've had that experience. And I, I always like envy the guys who come right in, like as, as freshmen in college and they're just, it just clicks for them. Yeah. I, I wonder if they went through an experience in high school, you know, where they, they understood how confidence was built. I don't know. It's just, I'm just kind of spitballing here, but yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. I just had something and I lost it. That's what I get for not writing it down. <laughs> That's why we do it. That's why we write it down. It's okay. It's okay. We have a lot. CTE for you. I have a yeah. Seriously, CTE is real. It is definitely a real thing. But you, I feel like you can combat it. Like you do as much as you can. You you know yeah, you stay like, active. Do your brain puzzles with gam gam and and all that stuff. And you... <laughs> <laughs> what was that Nintendo DS game? You know what I'm talking about? Was it Brain Games or something like that? Ever play that? Possibly. I didn't have any like Nintendo devices, like any of the handheld things growing up. Oh, okay. You always had the you had the 64 though. That's what made your yeah, house. 64. That's what you made made your basement yeah, special. Yeah. 64. Yeah, that's how I just ruined people's lives. Except for Mario Party versus Brandon Fritz, he just toasts me every time. <laughs> and Strobel, Tom Strobel, they're the they're the goats. Uh, one thing I was going to kind of touch on too, that you had said earlier about um, someone said to you that, that God has a plan. I mean, regardless of religious background, um, I think like whatever it is out there, whatever you want to believe in that thing has, does have a plan for you. And it's a matter of understanding little by little why each thing happens. You have these good things happen to give you that confidence to keep fighting through and you have these bad things happen because it needs to set you in, in your place to teach you a lesson. Um, and, and those are pretty vague, right. But to teach you a lesson about relationships, not just like with, with a significant other, but with a friend or family, um, teach you about like trusting people or, teach you about how to approach situations, um, different things like that. <clears throat> but yeah, I think, I think everything really does happen for a reason and you might not know it now, but then you can look years back and you're like, I'm actually glad that did happen to me. And that like really is what propelled me forward through these other hard times. And it gives you ammo to be like, well, if I got through that, I'm going to get through this. This ain't nothing. Yeah. Oh, Absolutely. I think, I think back to my, hate to go back to the same story, but I go back to the Achilles tear 
all the time. Like any challenge, I'm about to have surgery on my right knee in August. I know I'm going to be fine. I've been through it before. I know I can do this. I know what I'm capable of as a human being. You have to go through obstacles to do that. Don't shy away from, you know, something that's uncomfortable. I think one of the greatest pieces of advice I got before I entered into college was be comfortable with the uncomfortable because that's how you grow. That's how you learn more about yourself. And I'm not sitting here from a, you know, a soapbox and, and saying this, I'm going through it myself. You know, I'm speaking from experience and stuff that I'm doing now. I'm trying to, you know, get out of that comfort zone and learn more about myself. It's, it's something you have to do. It's not, if you don't want to do it, then you're not going to grow. You're going to be the same forever. I don't know. I don't want to do that. I don't know about you. No, but yeah, like you're saying though, experience is the best teacher. And um, I remember what I was going to say before. So you're mentioning kind of like freshman year versus senior year, that those like totally different mindsets. Um, and I mean, regardless of if you didn't play football, if you don't want to compare it to any sport, like you compare it to any type of school, like where you're at um, maturity wise as a freshman compared to a senior, those are like two different people every time, even if it's just high school and you didn't go to college, like your freshman self and your senior self are two different people. You went through four years of experience. So you can apply that same idea, uh, ideal um, to like your job that you're at right now. Are you stressed out because you're not doing as well as you wanted? Okay, well, are you in year one still? Yeah. Do you think maybe by year four, you're going to be like, oh, now I'm a senior. Like when we graduate college, and I think we kind of got away from this earlier, like how did I start figuring things out after graduating school? You just have to like figure it out and, and on the fly, like there's not really a right answer but you need to keep trying different things to figure out maybe what that answer is. Yeah. I think we need to define what it is. It's, it's figuring yourself out. It's not, you know, how do I, you know, obviously we want to win it. So there's different type types of terminology that I can use. What I'm trying to say is it's not serious all the time either. You know, it's, it's what makes me happy happy, what excites me, you know, find a job that aligns with your interests. At the end of the day, it's also going to be work and there's going to be parts where you doubt yourself and it's really challenging and you question, why am I even doing this? But if you go back to your, you know, your core being and say, oh, this is why I'm doing it. You know, I'm, I'm being a teacher because I'm raising up the next generation of human beings. That's a pretty powerful reason why. I think once you when you do that, when you're going up against those those challenges and those obstacles, it makes a world of difference. So figuring out your reason why and and you know, like we said, figure figure it out. It's, it's figure yourself out. Figure out why you do the things that you do. And having a why is super important. Um, I'll pull from a, a book I really like um, by Victor. Frankel, it's called Man's Search for Meaning. And he was a psychologist prior to the Holocaust, um, but he was a Jewish man. So like him and his family were taken away from their homes, obviously. And um, 
he had his life work with him, but it was ripped away. And through the next years when he was in concentration camps, anytime he could find like a little scrap of paper or something that he could scribble to write on something with, he would write down like some of his work that he had remembered, different things that he had done. Um, and then just kept those little pieces of paper on him. And at one point he had like typhus or something like that. And he lived through it because he was still trying to find paper to write on. And he watched people give up their life and give up their why for why they wanted to get through this. And he's like, I think the only reason that I made it out is because I had a purpose still. So you need to define that purpose and it's not easy and it will change. Um, I think really it, it'd be important to start with where you want to be in a year and then, you know, progressively to five and then 10. I mean, I don't really know much past five that stresses me out. <laughs> Would I like in like 25 or 30, a house in Florida or somewhere else with palm trees that has like marble countertops? Yeah. That's not my why on the every day, but that's like an end, end game life goal that like, yeah, I want to try to do that. Yeah. So like, I've got a greater vision of why I'm going to do things on the day-to-day basis for the next one to five. But then like Mason was saying, like he wants his whole, everyone in the world to know the McKenrick name. So he's got his end goal. I'm not that far. I know what I want for my like close to near future. And then way down the road, I've got an idea, just it's a little bit more, um, what's the word for it? Just like items, things to have. Yeah, material items. That- material items. Yeah, that's what I was looking for. It's a little materialistic, yes. Mm-hmm. But that's really far down the road for me to think of. So that's something yeah. That's totally fine, though. I mean, it's fun. Like all that stuff, like if you like all that stuff, that's what I think I was saying in the first podcast I did is, you like cars go buy yourself a nice car you only have one life to live go do it yeah going back to the the goal setting part and like seeing your future and kind of mapping out those plans totally 100 percent agree with you on this one it's super important to know where you're going have a direction aim to some point in the future to where you're going to go because if you're just going through life aimlessly you know, are you really going to achieve what you want to achieve? Now, if you don't want to achieve anything, okay, that's cool too. You know, that's, that's what you want to do. But I think almost all of us want to achieve something with our lives and want to make this life that they have, you know, mean something. But I think you brought up an, another really good point is being flexible with those goals. And like we said earlier in the podcast, being present in the moment is so important. And you have to do that to really appreciate life. And when you do that, your mind is a lot more open to opportunities. You know, I'm, I'm right now what I'm doing, like I'll just go off of something that I've experienced lately, actually, this is like probably last week. So I'm, you know, out of college. Let me start, let me reset this. So I'm a junior in college, kind of unsure of what I really want to do. I know that I enjoy math and I like problem solving and Next thing you know, I'm in supply chain classes and I like it. It's not, you know, it's, it's something that I like doing. I think it's fun. Um, like I said, I'm good at math and for some reason I get lost in it. So something I enjoy doing, 
and I'm working right now at a, at a chemical company over in Beachwood and I, I really enjoy it. They treat me well. It's, it's a good job. There's different challenges and, and projects that I do that, you know, do fulfill me on, on a certain level. But there's also another side of me that loves fitness and, and loves that kind of thing. And I also have a core being of, I love to help people. You know, that's something that makes me feel super fulfilled and happy when I do, when I, when I help another person, it could be something really small. Like they drop something on the floor and I pick it like up their keys or something and give it to them. That makes me feel really good. I don't need like a thank you from her or anything like that. Just being able to do that act is something that I thrive off of. So I knew that some, somewhere in the future, my career is going to be centered around that. And last week I'm, you know, shooting the shit with my dad, we're working out and he brings up this course that, uh, well, it's more of a degree. It's like a path exercise physiology. I've never really heard about it. And I'm really just getting into the fitness stuff. Obviously I've worked out like almost my whole life, but in terms of studying the, you know, the, the terminology and the, um, what's the word, I'm, the literature of, of exercise and whatnot, I didn't really know what it was. And after doing some more research, it's something I'm, I'm thinking to myself, like, man, this is something I, I might really want to do. So right now I'm going through the process of, of figuring that all out and, and trying to do that stuff. And it's completely different from what my goals were graduating college. Like I was like, oh, I'm going to be a supply chain manager and this is going to be fun and I'm going to do this, whatever. But along that path, along the way of me going towards that goal, I found something else that I really, really like. Now I can choose to not pursue it and, and do whatever, but on one hand, I'm thinking I got, this is it. Like, this is my only opportunity to really do something like this. If I pass this by, it's done. You know, I'm, I don't know if I'm ever going to get this shot. Again. Like, am I going to be able to go back to school? I might have a family soon. Am I going to have the time to do all that kind of stuff? So right now I'm going to do it. And I think that's so important opportunities come up along your path that you need to be honest and evaluate. You know, there's a difference between taking a calculated risk and just a blind risk and going into, you know, jumping off a ledge there. Yep. Be smart about it. Understand, you know, who you are as a human being and understand the path that you are going to take and the path that you are giving up. But if it makes sense to you in your mind, you know, you do the, the thorough, deep dive into your, your own mind and yourself and what makes you happy. You got to take those opportunities. You can't let them pass you by and, and look back 10, 15, 20 years later and go, man, what if I did that? You know, what, if, maybe I would have been so much happier than I am. Now. Don't, you know, don't regret. Regret making a decision that you thought was going to be right over, you know, I don't know how to explain it. Maybe don't, let me, can I erase that last sentence I said there? I'm just going to let you talk. <laughs> I got you. I don't care. I'm with you though. hundred percent. Like everything you're saying I'm connecting with because one small choice can have a lot of impact, a lot of impact. So being aware of your choices is, is huge. Um, but if, if we go back to goal setting a little bit, um, there's a, another book that I really like that was a recommendation of a friend, Atomic Habits by James Clear. Um, and it's, it's pretty cool. It's a story about this kid that 
Um, I, I want to say he was a baseball player in high school, maybe in batting practice. Some dude like went to like swing the bat backwards or he got hit in the head with a baseball bat. They thought he was like toast. They thought he'd never be able to think, walk, talk again. Well, dude literally ended up becoming an all American academic, all American athlete, uh, baseball athlete. I don't know what division it was, but really that makes no difference. The fact that he was able to come back from that and it was because of his habits in his day-to-day, um, your day-to-day habits make a difference. So yeah, you, you go to work for this many hours, but what do you do with that rest of your time in your day? Like, do you have a consistent schedule? Cause like we all have habits, whether they're good or bad is your habit to check your phone. As soon as you get out of bed in the morning, your Instagram and stuff, probably not the best habit to have. So like change it or, you know, make a new habit. Um, so it just kind of goes into habit setting, um, goal setting. And I don't think he mentioned this in the book, but it's something I figured out just math wise an hour of your day. If you multiply that out over the course of years, 15 days without sleeping. So an hour of your time, even 30 minutes of your time is a week of your year. So if you spend 30 minutes of your day doing something positive over time, what's going to be the fruit of that labor over the course of the year? That's a lot. Um, So with his goal setting, he also says to start with like annual goals um, on January 1st, which is ironic because I set some goals on January of 2020 prior to reading this book. And I looked back at them in the middle of the year and I was like, I'm not that close to accomplishing these (laughs) I need to get on it. And I did that. And then I read his book a couple months later. I'm like, oh yeah, I like what this guy's saying. Like I was already doing some of it, but it's, it's worthwhile. And then at the end of your year, you audit yourself and you're like, which goals did I accomplish? Which ones did I not? And it's good to set some big ones. So it, it pushes you harder. Like, yeah, we could all set easy goals. I could set a goal of two books per year. I mean, I could do that in a week if I really wanted to, I make it 12, which a book a month is still like not that much of your time. And, you know, just find different things that you can push yourself towards. Um, I know I'm kind of all over the place right now. No, that's good. man. I think habits are so, so important. Like setting those goals for yourself and looking in the future. Yeah, of course you gotta, like I said, you gotta aim for something, but how do you get to that point? It's your daily habits. It's how you act throughout the day. And also I think setting realistic goals for yourself is really important. Like you said, you're, you know, you're some people, it, it is two books a year. You know, if you read no books, you haven't read a book in 10 years, maybe it is just, you know, maybe it is yeah. just one book, two books. Yeah. But be honest with yourself. Like any type of improvement is still improvement. One step forward is it's still moving forward, no matter how, how big the stride or, um, you know, all that kind of stuff or what exactly it is. So Ken, I'm going to talk a little bit about my, like some of the habits that I've tried to change. And I even like set this stuff, like you talked about setting annual goals. I even wrote this down in my annual goals for myself. Um, but after I'm done, I want you to kind of talk a little bit about yours and some that you'd like to share. So anyways, one that I really want to talk about is my emotional goals. So we, you know, we always talk about our career, you know, fitness, wh- whatever it is, 
trying to, you know, boss up, level up, all that kind of stuff. But the emotional factor is, is really important. And I think it kind of sets you up for success in those other areas of your life too. So some of the stuff that I set is being a better listener. And what's great is actually the podcast has allowed me to do that. It's really allowed me to just focus in on, you know, Kent here and listen to every word that he's saying, because, you know, I have to pay attention. I have to make sure that I'm talking to what he's saying. I can't just, you know, go on with my own story here. I have to listen to what he's saying and and understand the value that he's bringing to my podcast. So that's one right there. Number two is, is to be, you know, more loving and empathetic to others. I have a hard time when people will try to tell me to do something or, you know, talk down to me like that. A thing that's helped me with, with kind of changing my mindset is a lot of people, when they do that, they're really trying to help you. You know, they're trying to give you some type of guidance in this world. And although at the time it is annoying and kind of want to tell them to F off, it's, easy, it's, it's, it's a lot harder to sit back and realize, like, okay, this person's trying to help me. So that's the second one. The third one for me is having a better relationship with myself and specifically my body. And body dysmorphia is something that I think is so rampant in the fitness industry. And it's being talked about more now, especially with social media and the pressure that I think a lot of young young men and, and women feel from looking at others who have these un, unbelievable f- physiques. And something that I've learned to, to kind of look at myself in the mirror and, and change that mindset is, hey, I'm not where I need to be right now, but I'm working at it. Every single day, I'm, I'm putting that brick on t- one on top of the other. If I, if, if I didn't need to improve, what, you know, why would I even be working out? Like all that kind of stuff. So I'm trying to connect the dots and understand the reason why I'm doing things. And it's helped me kind of not look in the mirror and say, what the hell, man? Who is this guy? Whatever. It's all right. Yeah. All right. You know, you just put a bunch of work in. you're getting better. You're getting better. Let's do that. You know, let's have that, that mindset towards it instead of saying like, oh, you look like shit or whatever. But anyways, what are some, some different habits and, and goals you set for yourself this year? Um, <clears throat> so I'll be honest, there's like, I'm not going to share some of my personal goals, um, whether they're like financial or emotional, just because I don't want it to be like a comparison game for some people. Um, But I I do like where you're at with um, the, the emotional goals that you shared. Cause I, I like those. And those are things that, I think I should be a little bit more cognizant of too, which is like being a better listener. Um, But I I will talk on like how I set my goals. So I make them, they're called smart goals. I didn't create this or anything, but it means it's specific, um, measurable, it's realistic, um, achievable, realistic. And then I think T is timeline. So like when it needs to be accomplished by. So I think when you're goal setting, you need to be, um, using that because you could say, well, I want to make a hundred dollars. Okay. Today, this week, this year, this decade, like 
When are you going to do that by? How are you going to do that by? Um, so using that really solidifies your goals and like makes you stick to them. If you, especially the timeline piece and the very specific piece, like you can't say, I want to make some money. You need to have the dollar amount and the timeline. I think those are the two biggest parts. And, you know, how are you going to measure it by? Is it like total failure if I don't get it? Or is it like, oh, I've made like a 60%. So I got a D on the test for that goal. Um, so that's just kind of an example for that. 100%, I get exactly what you're saying. I'm just going <laughs> to go back to the pages of notes I have here. <laughs> um, so I think we talked about self-awareness and, um, you know, finding your, your identity and everything. And we also talked a lot about, you know, finding a connection with another human being. And I think, especially for myself, like I've struggled with it at times, even though I, I say it's super important. There's of course times I go into a public gym or something and I, you know, I make weird eye contact with people and it's awkward, whatever. So asking a salesperson, how, like, like yourself, how do you get over that anxious feeling of talking to someone new or trying to connect with, with another human being? Repetition. <laughs> and that's literally it. Repetition, asking for help, um, and just like being comfortable being uncomfortable because... I started in sales in November. So first of all, it's flu season after the year of COVID. So don't come into my business unless you have an appointment. It's Thanksgiving. Get out of here. Now it's Christmas and New Year's. Get out of here. And also still don't come in here unless you have an appointment. Like <laughs> it's like a lot of weeks upon weeks of just like being used to just going in places and BSing and not even really always knowing what I was going to say and just kind of going off the spot. Um, so like over time, that's just gotten easier for me because like, I'm, I was always a person that like, once I knew you um, and like, I trusted you and we're cool. Like I would be okay to have a conversation about literally anything, just go off the walls and be me. But it was always tough for me meeting new people and starting conversations and like, not just like sitting there awkwardly, um, especially when I first joined the working world, but then over time you just keep talking to more and more people and um, it gets a little bit easier. Uh, I also had a lot of help from people just, Hey, can you ride with me today and just watch me and like, maybe tell me what I could do differently. Um, and it's, it's cool. Actually, I think I've shared this and I'm with you before and I might even kind of said it earlier, but you're not going to be as good as a rep at your 50th appointment until you've done one through 49. So like you have to do all those reps leading up the same thing for a podcast. Like your 50th podcast is going to look way different than, you know, the first five to 10, they're going to keep getting better over time. But until you accomplish those and do those single individual reps for each stage, you're not going to grow and get better. So really just like anything in life, repetition, repetition, find ways to get better at it and attack it. I love that. I love that. And I think I want to wrap things up on that point because it's so important. We've talked about it earlier in the podcast is being uncomfortable. I think 
getting out of your comfort zone, being able to be confident in yourself and your abilities, even if you're a little anxious and you're, you know, you're unsure of what exactly is going to happen, understanding that, you know, you're confident, like I'm Ken Burger, I can do this, you know, saying those type of words to yourself, you know, you're, you're going to be able to accomplish anything you set your mind to. Yep. And it's, and really like the whole MO of what we were saying today is like, it's, it's your life. So you can choose what you make out of it and who you are and take pride in who you are, because that's what matters most is what, who you are and what makes you happy. Cause when you're worried about other people, it's just going to, you know, create stress and anxiety that's outside your control. Mm-hmm. And make sure you have a good group of people around you too. You know, I'm, yeah, I'm the reason I am because exactly, you know, I'm the reason I am because of, of people like you Kent. You know, I, I wouldn't be where I'm at without support of others. So that's important to have a core group that you do care about their pain and then all the rest, who cares? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, dude, so I want to wrap this up because, or sorry, I want to wrap this up and tell all the little books that you mentioned. So okay. um, we got Atomic Habits by James Clear. James Clear. So Atomic Habits by James Clear is a good one. We got Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. I actually checked this one out at the library in Westlake, and then I moved. So I got to <laughs> figure that out. Anyways, um, was it Here and Now by Ram Dass? Yeah, so I got two more. Okay. Be Here Now by Ram Dass. Be Here Now, okay. And then one that I didn't mention um, that's really good for like just people our age right now. Um, it's by by dr meg j i want to say it's like the defining decade um why your 20s matter and how to make the most of them now that one's really cool it's about like a psychologist that works with a lot of 20 something year olds just change people's names but kind of retold stories that a lot of 20 year olds go through so yeah the defining decades probably one of my favorites yeah you showed me that one too i can i can second that that's a great book and like you said there's so many different parts in the book that apply to 20 year olds life. And it's, it's stuff that it's, uh, what it, she breaks it up into different parts, right? So you got like the career, your, you know, your love life. Yep. Um, what's the other one? Is there another one? I don't remember it off the top of my head. Okay. Go read the book. That's it. Just go read the book, Defining Figure Decade. It out. <laughs> Figure it out. And then, of course, Daily Stoic by Ron Holiday. That's my Bible now. I read it every day. It's a page a day. You can do it. Yep. Um, makes a world of difference. Kent, any, any last words, man? I already spit them out. You heard it here. You heard it here first. You already spit them out. <laughs> Thanks, guys, for listening. See you.